0: O-U-T-D-O-O-R and the number one. Lastly, many outdoorsmen are trying to quit tobacco altogether and Fully Loaded Chew may be that first step. For more information on our product line, visit FullyLoadedChew.com.
1: You're listening to the Average Conservationist Podcast brought to you by Go Hunt and in partner with 2% for Conservation. Sign up today to become an insider at GoHunt.com. Getting 2% certified means you've made the same commitments as popular brands like Sitka, First Light, Stone Glacier, and seek outside in giving at least 1% of your time and dollars back to wildlife. But it's not just for outdoor companies. Breweries, contractors, coffee roasters, and even piano repair companies have earned 2% certification and stand out as leaders in their community for doing so. Businesses that are committed to conservation deserve your business when you shop. Learn more about 2% for Conservation at fish.com. And wildlife.org. That's fishandwildlife.org. What's up, everyone? Happy Thursday. Welcome back to the Average Conservationist Podcast, and I'm your host, Marcus Ewing. Uh got a good one for you today. Uh today I'm joined by Keaton Eckley and Nick Minden, and they are the co-founders of newly 2% certified Fisherman's Brew Coffee out of Washington. Um we kind of kick things off and really get to get a bit of a background uh on Keaton and Nick and you know when their paths crossed at a young age. Um and really the the love and admiration that they share for salmon fishing uh especially there in the northwest uh and how um you know some time away for for nick and, and you'll hear him tell the story uh some time away um from fishing and from washington while he um serves active duty military and he came home and you know a lot of these salmon runs that he grew up fishing uh they just weren't the same and him and Keaton uh, essentially had a plan. Um, and out of this plan, uh, well given, that, given the plan and Keaton's background um, in a previous line of work, um, they felt they had the tools uh, necessary really to, to start this coffee business. And the cool thing uh, about their story, about their brand, about their business, is they started it with the sole purpose of raising money for conservation Raising money um, for salmon and habitat uh, and things of that nature, and they're doing it for all the right reasons, which is such a cool thing to see. Um, I mean, really, anyone who is giving back uh, to conservation from a business standpoint are uh, you know are incredible, and, and I really admire them, um, especially these two who started the company with that sole purpose in mind. Um, we could talk about you know why salmon fishing is um, you know, so important to them and what they're hoping to do, uh, potentially in the future, uh, through the business. Um, and, you know, I'll kind of let them tell you the story and and what maybe some, some long-term goals are, um, you know, and not only on the conservation side of things, but, you know, also, as I mentioned with Nick being, uh, active duty military, um, you know, getting veterans or even, currently uh currently uh, excuse me active uh members involved in fishing um and you know just letting them experience you know what it is that the two of them love so much about the outdoors, outdoors as well so really fun episode i uh, really enjoyed talking to these guys so episode 78 keaton eckley nick minden fisherman's brew coffee uh enjoy for that why to take a minute to tell you about our friends over at stone glacier if you haven't already or you haven't by now Please head over to iTunes or Google Play, whichever your device. Download the Stone Glacier app uh, for the outdoorsman or outdoorswoman uh, in your life. Uh, Now is a great time to check out their website. Pick them up that new pack or, you know, some new outerwear, whatever, uh, for their next adventure. Um, They will not and you will not be disappointed with your purchase. Um, Head over to StoneGlacier.com and... uh, Yeah, again, you won't be disappointed with whatever it is that you decide to get from them. Um, So enjoy. All right. I'd like to welcome into the podcast today the co-founders of newly 2% certified Fisherman's Brew Coffee, Keaton Eckley and Nick Minden. Guys, how are you?
2: Doing pretty good. good. Appreciate you having us.
1: Yeah, no, I'm glad that we can make some time. I know that um, you guys being on the West Coast, I'm here uh, in Michigan in the Midwest, the Time difference, uh, just getting everyone's schedules uh, to align uh, can sometimes be a bit tricky. But I'm glad we're able to make this happen.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I actually got tons of family from Michigan and Ohio, so I'm uh, pretty familiar with the dealing with the time difference there. Just throughout my life, you know, holiday phone calls, stuff like that. Always got to plan for it.
1: Yeah. So we're about uh, in Michigan. DFM, we at.
0: Uh so my mom was born in Ann Arbor. Sure. And uh then over in Ohio, my whole my dad's entire family is in Dayton.
1: Okay. So, so I'm pro I'm a uh, like I mean Ann Arbor it's all kind of metro Detroit more or less, but I'm probably an hour 15, hour 20 from Ann Arbor. I'm kind of uh northeast a little bit like in the uh, Rochester area. If I mean I don't know how familiar you are geographically with michigan but yeah it's not uh it's not too terribly far from where i'm at
0: okay yeah i actually uh every year i go on like fishing trips to the up so oh
1: yeah
0: yeah i go up to the the channels up there but i just you know drive through so i'm not super familiar with anything between the up and detroit
1: yeah no the up is beautiful man it's uh it's almost criminal. How many people that live, like at least in like the lower peninsula of Michigan, that have never made their way to the UP and have never gotten across a bridge? It's it's super unfortunate, man, because there's there's just so much cool shit to do up there.
0: Yeah, no. The first time I went over that bridge, it was a, I mean, it's shocking experience just seeing how much open water there is. I mean, we have the ocean out here, but you feel like you're looking at the Pacific or something like that. It's just
1: yeah, it's it's pretty wild. I know so. Well, I live down here in like Southeast Michigan. I grew up in northern lower Michigan. So, um, not an hour and a half or no, not even that far from like the Mackinac Bridge. And I remember, uh, like when I was learning to drive and I had my learner's permit, I got to drive across the bridge on my dad's old like half ton Chevy pickup, man. And driving across those grates, man, and just pulling you every which direction, everything, and thinking to myself, what the hell did I get myself into here?
0: Yep. Yep. I, uh, I've been, you know, going up there since I was young. But I remember the the first time we flew into uh, Detroit, and I was old enough to drive. Do the drive up there? Not my dad didn't have to do the whole drive. I remember being like, "Hey, you can drive up there, but I'm going across the bridge. <laughs> I want to drive across that bridge."
1: Yeah, no, it's it's certainly cool. Uh, and I know I mentioned this before we started recording, but we're obviously recording on uh, Veterans Day. And Nick, you are uh, an active uh, military uh, right now. So I just want to say it again on the record thing, you know, thank you for your service.
2: I appreciate that a lot. Yeah, this is, uh, we got veterans day. So remembering quite a few buddies that I've lost over the last couple of years of being in and everybody that came before us. So it's pretty, pretty awesome experience being in.
1: Yeah. I'd imagine, um, that, you know, all days it's, it's probably a, a pretty heavy thing to, um, to kind of deal with you know the loss of of brothers that you make uh you know while you're in the military but uh today probably more than ever uh is,
2: is one that really makes you think of them yeah definitely no it's uh funny when you're mentioning those fishing trips to michigan i've grown up with uh keaton since the second grade so it's what 18 years yeah i think so <laughs> it's about 18 years <laughs> about 18 years him and i've known each other and it's about 18 years i've been hearing about that trip up to michigan and all the fishing that they do down that way. So that's, that's something that I hope to be able to make my way out there and, and venture out on that bridge that you guys be talking about. Yeah. The mighty Mac.
1: Yeah. I mean, if you guys at any point, if you guys make it to Michigan, man, let me know. I mean, I don't know. I mean, we'll, we'll certainly get into it some more here. Uh, but if you do any type of fly fishing, man, uh, i got plenty of, of, of streams and rivers and stuff that we can, uh, we can get a line wet and,
2: and try to get into some trout for sure. That's definitely in my alley. I love
0: fishing. That's that's my passion. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you no, that's got a, You guys got a salmon runs up there, don't you?
1: Yeah, yeah. We've got yeah salmon, steelhead. I mean trout. We've. I mean, I mean they're all trout, right? But uh, yeah, we've got lots of different things to offer, man, for sure. We can get into some stuff if you guys, if you guys ever want to make a trip, man.
0: Uh, I'll I'll probably be there this summer, so we'll uh, maybe set something up.
1: Yeah. So. No, that's that. That would be awesome. So let's kind of get into it a little bit here. So Nick Keaton, so kind of, you, you kind of alluded to it there a little bit. Um, you guys have known each other since the second grade, uh, which is one of the things I was going to kind of ask was how you two got hooked up. But it sounds like, you know, lifelong friends grew up together. But take me through, you know, kind of what brought you to this point now. Uh, and, you know, throughout the way, like how you were introduced to the outdoors, you know, kind of what that that whole picture looks like.
0: Yeah, so uh, I guess for me, it's just my, my dad's side of the family grew up fishing the great lakes. Um, and so when he moved out here, uh, he was like trying to get into fishing out here. And so he, he got into salmon fishing and, uh, I'll be honest, my, my dad's not a professional. he's not nearly <laughs> as good as Nick's family, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's just, I've been around it my whole life and, uh, living out here. We we're fortunate to have, you know, the cascades right there and Extremely fortunate. go hiking out in the mountains. We go backpacking, we go fish the little Alpine, lakes out there and you know it's just just grew up with it and very blessed to have it you know have it be part of my life
2: like he he said i mean my family moved from every area to lake stevens where where we live now uh around the second grade and we were in you know like a little cul-de-sac just two three houses away from each other and fortunately same age same grade and i mean from there we did as much lake fishing and camping trips as you could when we're that age but on my side of the family with my father, he got me really big into salmon fishing. I mean, I have pictures with salmon bigger than me with how <laughs> small I was, how young I was, right? And I mean, even at that age and still today, it's, it's unbelievable how much conservation efforts aren't being talked about uh, on a wide scale basis, I guess, with how you have social media and marketing schemes these days. Uh, I just remember... Growing up, it's always that conversation with your grandpa or with your dad or, you know, in the newspaper. It's it's just been like these minimalistic efforts, in my opinion, on conservation efforts. And it's something that's lacked there of my whole entire life. So as far as getting us to this point, to where we're at in the coffee company, uh, Keaton and I and another colleague of his, uh, Jake Eckley, it's actually his cousin, which is pretty, I mean, that's just pretty cool within itself. He moved out here from Ohio. But anyways, uh, we're out fishing on one of the local rivers, salmon fishing. And this was after I came back from a couple years overseas. And the lack of the salmon run was just mind blowing. I, I I hadn't fished such a poor year, I guess. And I don't know, even my, my lifetime, It was it was just a weird experience getting out there. And we're just you know, spitballing ideas about anything that we can do to to help improve these salmon runs or just do anything rather than, you know, taking part in in capturing these fish or fishing for them and not doing anything in return, right? It just felt criminal almost like you were saying. It's just weird. So essentially we just spitballed ideas right that day. We were just spitballing, I mean
0: Yeah. I, and
2: coffee is just a huge thing in the Pacific Northwest. I mean, if you were yeah. to come out, there's a there's a coffee stand on every corner out here i mean every corner of any main street there's a barista stand you name it it's everywhere so coffee came to the forefront it's a nice e-commerce product and then we were you were looking up the names right of coffee companies or what were you
0: looking up? Yeah, I, did for fishermen's brew how you found that yeah it just kind of worked out pretty pretty perfect i guess we were, we were uh talking about ideas and i actually had a friend who when i graduated we all graduated high school. At the same time. Nick went to the military. I went off to college and my buddy Kyle actually moved to Hawaii to work on a coffee bean farm.
1: Oh, wow.
0: And he, uh, you know, I stayed in touch with him and he was always talking all this stuff about coffee, kind of just like all this stuff that he's learning about the industry. And I was always like, man, that'd be super cool to do something, you know, but he moved to Kona and that coffee is very expensive, but that's besides, <laughs> Um, uh, and, uh,
2: well, it was, you were, you was, we were talking about coffee, oh, and we yeah, thought we were that talking was about awesome. We, we, obviously, we fished our whole lives together, and I mean, I, I think it was you yeah. definitely that came up. He's like, the, the name Fisherman's Brew, and we're like, I mean, that's a phenomenal name, right? We love that, yeah. but there's no way there's no way it hasn't been taken already. Like it's, someone already has it. There's no way. So essentially, he did a little bit of research and ended up finding that uh, the LLC for it was uh, about to go dink, right? It was that seven-year inact- inactive <laughs>
0: Yeah. So once we, once we kind of like, put two and two together, we wanted to be in conservation. I was like, we want to do something. Maybe coffee is our, our Avenue to, to get into that. Um, I don't, I was just Googling and I was like, what's a good name for that? <laughs> yeah. You know, like I'll be completely honest with you. It wasn't, it just kind of like happened. And I looked it up and there was a, a, a brewery on the East coast that had a fisherman's brew beer, but they unfortunately went out of business a while back. And so like, I guess nobody took the name i thought it was i think it's pretty decent name for what we do yeah for sure Uh, and uh, it just kind of worked out and so once once all those pieces kind of lined up we were like well you know what we we should really explore this and we should see what we can do with it and it's just it's been slow but and where we got this far and we got a lot of plans moving forward yeah um it's been tough though we we started an e-commerce product in, in the middle in of the, the pandemic. Yeah, pan- <laughs> yeah. Supply chain is messed up. Supply we couldn't chain. get our bags in that we wanted. We couldn't get our hats, mugs, we couldn't
2: getting in contact with people in general, just trying to schedule meetings. It's it's definitely been uh, a joyride, a roller coaster. I mean there's tons of ways you could go about saying it. But uh that really that five percent back that we take and target uh Organizations really our main goal is to target organizations that are trying to benefit hatcheries because in, in our opinion on the research that we've done and the people we've talked to uh, wild fish wouldn't exist if there weren't hatcheries, if there weren't successful hatchery programs. So we're trying to take, or we, we do take our money and we target these these organizations that are trying to rehab hatchery programs, get more fish in the river and a more conscientious harvest of these these fish and just you know kind of we need these runs it's it's just the simple we need them we can't we can't afford to lose salmon in the pacific northwest
1: yeah and i would imagine and i'm a bit kind of out of my element speaking about like hatcheries and uh and things of that nature but you know with a, a successful hatchery program and you know introducing these fish to the wild i mean. They're then, you know, spawning, you know, creating a, you know, greater population, a bigger run and everything like that. So I can certainly see, um, you know, the importance of it. I mean, is it so I guess let me take a step back. Is it fair to say that essentially you guys started this company to make or to raise money
2: for conservation? Yeah. 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 I mean it's cool. We have we love a good coffee, right? We love a good cup of coffee, which everybody loves a good cup of coffee, especially out here in the Pacific Northwest, right? And that kind of goes hand in hand with fishing. But with Keaton and Jake's background in data marketing and their ability to uh target people, specific people, ads and stuff like that and get get Information in front of the right audience, right? Essentially, best. Yeah, I guess it.
0: I maybe could go into that background. We didn't just start a business out of nowhere. My <laughs> cousin and I, uh, we graduated from college, and uh, we were working in a uh, down in Seattle at a startup production company. And so for three years, I was working in a media production on sets and stuff like that. But uh, it was a team of four people, and uh, I, you know, I had to learn business development skills through that. And uh, that actually, that business was a COVID casualty, sadly, because COVID yes. came in, they, everyone's like, oh, we don't need to have big events being filmed or anything like that. So we were kind of sit, we we're sitting there we're like, what do we do? You know, we have all this experience, um, like running a small business, essentially. And uh, we had marketing experience and our degrees kind of lined up with that. And so my cousin and I co-founded a data marketing agency. And uh, through that process, you know, learned really how to manage a business properly and we, we managed a lot of e-commerce products. And so we kind of had like an understanding of like what needed to be done. And so when this opportunity came up, I felt like we were, um, we were capable of taking advantage of the opportunity. And, um, I think that's probably given us, that's allowed us to get as far as we have up to this point. But yeah, yeah we did, of sorry, uh, no, sorry. No, no, go but, ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. We did kind of, uh, start this coffee company as like a means to, um, for conservation, for conservation. To, get, to get that
2: information in yeah. front of the right audience rather than, you know, your grandpa or your dad or the newspaper ad talking about uh, these organizations like, come and volunteer, right? How about since it's 2021 and we have supercomputers in our pockets, why don't we start throwing these this information in front of younger audiences who don't know anything about conservation? They, they, they hear about it from their, you know, their grandpa and their dad or the newspaper.
1: Yeah. And that's, what's weird about, well, maybe weird is not the right word, but like just conservation in general, right? The there's, I say this a lot on, uh, when I'm talking to people, but like, there's like this shift kind of in in who is kind of at the forefront of the outdoors. Like it's not our dads and our grandpas anymore. Like it's guys like us, right? It's a younger, a much younger generation who just have a, a different way of looking at, Processing, getting their information. I mean, like you said, everyone walking around has a freaking supercomputer in their pocket, right? And that's that's how everyone, you know, whether it's they read articles, they send emails. You know, how, that, that's where people are getting their information from is on their phone. And so many people, like you said, the, the the whole conservation like mindset and ethic, like we got that from our parents, our grandparents, and things like that. But it was almost in a much different way, right? It was a lot of Almost leading by example, right? When we were young, you know, you know, watching, you know, how our our elders kind of uh, acted in 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 the wild, uh, yep. you know, not leaving trash and, you know, kind of leaving no trace and that type of stuff and not wasting animals uh, when they harvest them and things like that. But this generation, uh, this younger generation. They're much more vocal about things, right? And mm-hmm. they're much more of a hands-on, I guess, kind of group. And everyone wants their voice to be heard, and, and everyone has an opinion, and all that stuff. And that's great to a degree, but you need to have the right information, just like you said, in front of the right people, so that mm-hmm. they can really understand the the issues and the problems that you know in this particular case that that salmon are facing in the in the northwest. There,
0: mm-hmm. yeah. And my uh, one of my big goals with the company is to. Uh, eventually use my production background and it'd be i think it would be really cool to go highlight the conservation groups we support and and put together like do a very well put together not like a short form documentary but essentially just going through exactly like what they do where the money goes to like how it actually helps and i think that uh i think that we're uniquely capable of doing that and getting that in front of a lot of people but we just, we kind of got to build the foundation and that's yeah. what we're working on right now. Yeah.
1: yeah, no, and that's a great idea because so many of these conservation organizations, whether um, you got, you take someone like BHA who is not necessarily species specific, but you take like Trout Unlimited or the Mule Deer Foundation, Rocky mm-hmm. Mountain Elk, you know, these very specific organizations that are, are working towards a specific uh, species. And, you know, unless you're really tied into that, I mean, it's it's one thing to be a member of these organizations and, you know, you pay your, you know, your yearly dues and maybe you attend a banquet or an online auction or something like that. But to really understand the kind of behind the scenes work, what it is that they're doing, where the money is going and all that stuff, um, people just don't know. And I think going, you know, kind of putting a bow on all of this, that's what people want to know, right? They want to know, mm-hmm. you know, if they make a donation, where's that money being, um, yep. what what is, what is it being spent on? Uh, you know, what type of projects are these organizations working on? Um, and I think when, uh, I guess call it the consumer, you know, uh, the members, when they have an idea of what that money is being spent on, they're much more likely to to get involved, whether it's, you know, with boots on the ground type stuff or, you know, financially through making donations.
0: Yeah,
2: completely agree on that.
1: So <clears throat> you kind of already answered it, but. I mean, why salmon? Is it just because, you know, that's what you guys grew up doing? So, I mean, I
2: guess that's, that's probably really what it comes down to. Uh, It's, it is my passion in life, right? Uh, Being in military police for the last almost six years, that, that was my passion. But in the back of my head, it's always been salmon fishing and salmon throughout the Pacific Northwest. Because for me, it's, I fish year round. Uh, I fish with friends and family year round, so it's like that genuine connection to nature and uh, other people around you that that really just drives me right. And the thought of losing like salmon, I could I could cry over it right now. Like it's <laughs> it's that I'm that passionate about salmon fishing. So to have that passion, I want to be able to share that with others, right? And that's not necessarily telling them exactly where to fish and exactly how to fish. But to be able to have that opportunity to fish, to not lose that opportunity, right? Because it's an amazing thing to have here, to be able to go out in nature and and take advantage of it in a way that's respectful and harvest what you will eat, right? So that's really what it comes down to is that we've just been, we've been fishing our entire lives and we don't really want to lose that, right? And then you can break it down as far as to the, the nutrients and the habitat that uh, salmon provide throughout the Pacific Northwest is incredible. The reach is, I mean, the more you dig into, the the broader your knowledge gets on just how impactful salmon are throughout Washington, Oregon, California. They go all the way up into Idaho, but all the way up to Alaska through Canada, right? It's just one fish, one species, right? But it's just incredible how impactful these fish are. Oh,
1: sorry, sorry, Keenan. I thought you looked like you were ready to say something there.
0: No. Oh, well, I'll, I'll touch on what Nick was saying there. Um, yeah, the, uh, the salmon runs are incredibly important for, um, like Nick said, the ecosystem and they, I don't know how many people know, but like they swim up the, the rivers and they die. Yeah. Like they only come back one time. The pinks come back every two years, their life's two years and, and then they die. But there's a million dead fish in the ecosystem and that nutrient supports the entire river ecosystem mm-hmm. throughout this, throughout the year. It's what, and it, feeds the trees and every everything you wouldn't think it but it's so incredibly important And you take that away and there's there's actually river there's examples in washington where those the salmon runs have been so decimated that the ecosystem around it the trees and everything that grows around the river system have begun to die out because they just don't have what they're supposed to have yeah and so it goes beyond just the fish it's like the entire ecosystem is affected if we over harvest them and we don't Take care of that resource.
1: Yeah, Mother Nature is certainly fickle in that regard, right? Like, I mean, how and that's a thing that people who don't, you know, who don't salmon fish, they don't understand the greater impact,
2: right? Like, yeah, I think they kind of look at us and they're like, oh, they just want more fish. They yeah. want to be. It's really beyond that.
1: Yeah, it's it get, the same thing. Kind of goes into, and I'll speak to something a bit more in my wheelhouse, like whitetail habitat, right? With people, you know, performing their own whitetail habitat if you know if they own some private land, but, you know, how good, you know, you know, cutting, you know, cutting down trees, prescribed burns, you know, the the regrowth, you know, what that does for, you know, the birds, uh, you know, for the turkeys, for, you know, uh if there's any type of uh like upland bird habitat. Like it's it's just amazing how little or yeah, how little people on the outside looking in don't really grasp, you know what one single thing does for the entire ecosystem around it. Yeah. It's incredible. So let's get into Fisherman's brew a little bit. So you guys said you just started, you started uh, essentially forming the company during the middle of a pandemic, which is, it's -hmm. funny to me, not that you guys did that, but like, like so many people were working from home. Right. And like coffee is obviously the lifeblood of, you know, any adult, especially any adult with kids. All right. Like it's, (laughs) It, it, it's what keeps us going but the fact that you couldn't get the stuff you needed to get you know um, you know your coffee out and to get everything you know packaged and whatnot has got to be uh, a bit frustrating so you, you mentioned you had your buddy that was in Hawaii and you kind of started picking his brain a little bit so kind of how did everything really kind of come together and culminate into launching the brand
0: so um... Yeah, we we had the idea, and then you know the next step was okay, where are we going to get our coffee from? And uh, initially, I did go to Kyle, and I was like, hey man, like how can we uh, kind of use some of these coffee beans that you that you work on, like the farm you work on? And uh, we quickly found out that it would be far too expensive to get beans from Kona, ship them here, roast them. They're expensive to begin with, and it wasn't really what we wanted. To be honest, we were looking for Local? Um well we wanted to yeah we wanted local we wanted a local roaster, packager, all that stuff. We wanted to work with people that we could drive to and be hands on. Right. Um also for the beans like we we were really wanting to like continue the conservation trend and find beans that were certified like sustainable, shade grown, direct trade or fair trade and uh we we had to do some digging to find that, but uh we eventually Got it worked out to where we, we have a couple of farms down in Mexico, and uh, we import them up to our roaster that we've built a relationship with over the past year. Um, he's an hour south of us, and so we go down there quite often, and we work on, like, mixtures and blends and new new um, just new roasts. And uh, it, it worked out pretty nice, but it was quite a process. And then, I guess, speaking on the bags, we initially wanted to – you know, get beautiful, like custom-printed bags with nice artwork on, them and everything like that. And uh, doing our research, we found there's quite a few um, places to get those at a reasonable price, uh, so we could keep our margins and be able to give back to conservation. We we had to keep our costs down lower because we wanted to give back money right. and still be profitable. Profitable, but um, yeah, those were all in China and India and. <laughs> Seven months out seven year and months a half out, year out yeah and those those lead times are probably even more now because of just getting stuff into the country is it's challenging right now but so
2: Daniel was a big a big part in helping us so uh, Daniel uh, the owner of Poverty Bay who's our local roaster down there in Auburn uh, I mean the man's
0: incredible he's been roasting what for 30 years yeah, and he, uh, so fortunately, we came to him, the problem, we're like, yeah, we, we really want to move forward. We already had our coffee being imported, and we thought we had our bags being, you know, printed and sent to us, but then they're just like, hey, you're not going to get them. And so we're like, <laughs> okay, well, we got to figure something out. <laughs> and so uh, we actually ended up using a local local bag manufacturer, and it's, it's just the bag. I don't know if you've seen our product. It's just a matte black bag. Yep. Pretty and planned, then pretty simple. a local uh, label printing company, and I designed some labels in uh, Adobe Illustrator, and sent it to them, and they printed them off, and we slap them on the bag, and we're like, you know what? It's just to get us started. It's yeah, and it kind of comes down to that whole mindset. It's like an imperfect product is better than having no product at all. Yeah, because we could we can learn a lot from putting it out there. And I'm not saying like that. I think our product is bad right now or anything <laughs> like that. I think. what i'm saying yeah i'm still very happy with it but it's not when we set out it's not what we set out the goal in mind was to have really nice custom-made coffee mugs custom-made hats kind of like what you're wearing right now um really nice custom shirts and beautiful custom coffee bags that you put in a store and it it looked really nice sitting on the shelf and people would be like oh that's cool it's got cool like salmon artwork on it and whatever it may be Um, we we quickly found out that that wasn't going to happen and so we had to figure out how we could continue to progress um with these limitations and the and just dealing with the pandemic you know and um fortunately we're surviving we're surviving but and we have a lot of the stuff is we're about i'd say a month or two months away we've we've been working really hard to figure out where we're going to get um our products from our bags from um and we actually have it all worked out now so we're excited in a couple of months when we redo the site we redo our products and um it'll it'll look really really good and it's nice we're a two percent business we'll have the two percent for conservation logo mm-hmm. right there on the uh right there printed on the bag on the back and it'll just it'll look like a it'll look professional it'll be nice it'll be something to be really proud of and we're excited to sell it and hopefully get traction and get back to conservation
1: yeah i mean <clears throat> a couple things come to mind there given that story is is perseverance obviously, um, and you know, just moving forward because, I mean, it'd be, it'd be super easy when you know, things kind of don't go your way, just to say, ah, screw it, and kind of scrap the whole idea, right? Because it's not, it's not perfect, it's not what you envision. But, you know, uh, you know, speaking from one small business owner to another, I think you you get to a point where you got to realize that really good. Is sometimes good enough as opposed to being, you know, perfect. And mm-hmm. it's it's almost sometimes you're almost your own worst enemy, right? Like yeah. striving for that perfection. While I mean, yeah, we should always strive for perfection in whatever we're doing. I mean, there's no point to half-ass something. But sometimes you got to know when enough is enough and say, you know, whoever is going to buy this coffee or the people that I'm I'm trying to sell this coffee to, uh, they're going to appreciate it. They're going to like the artwork. You know, if it's a label on there and not a custom bag, like they're still going to think it's cool. They're still going to yeah. like the coffee, right? The product inside isn't changing,
0: but exactly. at the end of the day, we're, we're not selling the custom bags. We're selling the sustainable fair trade coffee in on the inside of the bag. Yeah. And that's what we're really selling. It's just me being too particular about what <laughs> I want it to look like. I yeah. think
2: It comes down to like a military saying, like, never be comfortable. Uh, and I'm, I'm happy that we're not comfortable with our product we're content and we're going to keep moving forward and, you know, getting better at what we're providing to, to the customers and stuff like that. But, but to never be comfortable in a sense is a good feeling to me. I've never, never be comfortable in the military. Always, you know, keep pushing, try and do better, always be ready type stuff like that. So it's, it's definitely been a process, but it's yeah. been fun. It's been fun to watch. It's been yeah. fun to be a part. Yeah. That's
1: uh, I literally, so I have in my office here, you guys, can't see and i'm not going to try to like reach up and grab it but i have you know people have these like little signs right that you can like move the letters around and like change the message on and and stuff like that um and mine says get comfortable being uncomfortable right because i just think that's even like with this podcast right like i consider myself a fairly i don't want to say like outgoing but like i i enjoy talking to people especially about the outdoors and and conservation and stuff like that but still like I mean, we didn't know each other until, you know, half hour ago, other than, you know, through a couple emails. And I mean, that's kind of a big step to just be like, yeah, like, let's, let's hop on a call. Let's, you know, let's, let's shoot the shit for, for a half hour, 45 minutes, an hour, whatever. And yeah, you just, you got to kind of put yourself out there. You got to be uncomfortable. And it's amazing if you just keep your head down, you keep grinding, you know, what, what good can come out of that. Definitely.
0: Yeah, that was actually a question I had for you. How did you, uh, and I'm sure people who listen to your podcast already know this, but how did you uh, get into starting this podcast?
1: Yeah, so uh, I'll give you kind of the cliff notes, I guess, uh, just to spare some of our listeners. Yeah. Um, So I had started an apparel company uh, a little over two years ago called The Average Conservationist. Uh, So I sell hats, t-shirts, and sweatshirts, uh, and then I'm giving money back to conservation as well because my company is is 2% certified as well. Um, and I was a guest on uh, a podcast um, called The Nine Finger Chronicles. Um, Dan Johnson is the host of that. He's a board member for Two Percent for Conservation, but he also owns uh, a like network of podcasts called Sportsman's Nation. And I mean, he's got gosh over twenty different podcasts like under his umbrella company uh ranging from i mean almost any topic you can think of from an outdoor perspective he's got uh you know a podcast on there and after we recorded uh our episode he asked you know have you ever thought about starting a podcast you know uh the topic of you know about conservation he's like your name fits perfectly and you know he's like i think you'd be a, a good host and whatnot and I kind of hummed and hawed and, you know, obviously conservation is not this super sexy topic, right? That people are like, ooh, I got to check out the latest, you know, conservation yeah. Uh, yeah. efforts that are going on out there, right? Like it's not it's not gear, it's not tactics, it's not, you know, cool stories mm-hmm. and all this. Yeah. Um, and kind of in that time frame, he became a member on the board of directors for 2% uh, and then kind of pitched this idea to myself and Jared of, you know, what if you guys kind of teamed up um, and started this podcast and partnered with 2%, Two percent then will help um, you know get you guests and we'll kind of focus on businesses and individuals um, who are two percent certified who have made this commitment to uh you know conservation and, and giving back and you know I mean you guys know Jared I mean the guy is so passionate and like after like ten minutes on the phone with him, I was like, yeah okay, I'll do it right <laughs> and uh, that was uh June of last year uh, that we that we started it so. Going on over a year now, and it's been it's been awesome to hear you know everyone's stories on, you know, why conservation is important to them. You know, like what the outdoors means to them, the products that they're offering. I mean, it's just it's not just outdoor companies, right? I mean, there's a whole slew of different uh, brands and businesses that you know find conservation important and are giving back. So it's uh it's been really cool.
2: Awesome.
1: So <clears throat> as a company that, you know, was essentially formed to give back to conservation. I mean, where was it that, or at what point did you guys realize, like, we need to do something, right? I mean, Nick, you kind of mentioned it when you were overseas and had come back and realized, you know, the runs just weren't what they were before. But was there kind of, was there any other, like, tipping points, I guess, for you guys
2: where you said, hey, we got to try to do something here? I think it really just comes down to seeing, like, that little that little time frame really just stepping away from something I was super passionate about to go overseas and do my time and to come back where I I mean I was just dreaming of being on these rivers again right just every night I lay my head down and just can't wait to be back home getting rained on on the river right like that's yeah just I, was what I was gonna say through. how many
1: nights did that get you
2: through right overseas <laughs> they just thinking about it <laughs> got me through a lot of days and a lot of a lot of watch standing in 130 degrees yeah <laughs> I can imagine. So, I, it really just came down to that for me personally, taking a step away from something in life and then coming back to it. And, you know, my grandpa and my dad's sayings in the back, it's just not how it used to be, right? And okay, well, why, why don't we do something about it? Well, there's these conservation groups, you know, they've been around a long time. And it's okay, that's awesome. Why Why am I just now hearing about this? Is it because I just don't know where to look or I'm just not looking right? Uh, and that's why we we want to get that right information in front of everybody. We want to make sure that they they understand that these rivers are fragile, and what we have is fragile, and that we need to start doing something about it. We we can't just keep sitting around on our thumbs, you know. We got to start doing something.
1: Yeah, I mean, so how was it that you guys learned about two percent?
0: You know, I was. Tr- <laughs> it's we funny. I was actually. In the
2: office, you know?
0: I was talking to Jared the other day. He 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 emailed me. He's like. So how did you guys hear about us? And I was like, oh, you know, and I started thinking about it. I was like, I have no idea. We, it, was, it was you <laughs> and I.
2: We were, sitting, we were sitting in his office because uh, I'm, I'm actually stationed here in my home, pretty much my hometown, Everett, Washington. I work uh, on Naval Base Everett. Uh, and their office for their marketing company is like three blocks away from, from my base. Okay. So, so when I get the time or after work, I'd pop through and it was just one of those days where, you know, we got whiteboards in the office of ideas and, and how to improve on the company. And for me, I mean, personally, it was like, how do we make our product more legitimate? How do we, how do we have more blocks to stand on and be proud of what we're providing? And honestly, I think I, King was just searching up. I might've might just been Googling. And yeah. And honestly, <laughs> it just, it just generated 2% certified companies. And I was like, Okay, we got to do that. Yeah, (laughs) we 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 have to figure out how to be a part of that because that's awesome. The more we looked into it, the more we were just like, we we need to be a
0: part of that. Yeah, I wish there was some cool story of like (laughs) we ran into them. Like,
2: I think it was just googling. Yeah,
0: (laughs) be honest with you.
1: I mean, however you guys stumbled across it, I'm glad that you guys did because obviously it gets us a chance to to talk and for for people to to hear your story and you know why you guys are doing what you're doing. Which I didn't mention it before, but. I mean, you hear a lot of people that start a business because you know they're passionate about whatever that business is, whether it's you know a clothing brand or um, a guiding service, whatever mm-hmm. it is. But you guys started a brand, started a company because you wanted to raise money for conservation, which is almost. You hear people are like, "Yeah, I'm going to start this business, um, you know, to make some money, and then I'm going to give back as well." And that's that's still great, right? I, I think that's awesome, but. For that to be kind of the driving force um, I is super commendable, man. You guys should be super proud of that regardless of, you know, where things are at in 5, 10, 20 years from now. I mean, you guys did everything for the right reason. You saw a problem. Okay, how do we address this? What can we do to, to help alleviate or fix this problem? And you guys, you know, went, you know, head in, head on into this. And that's that that's awesome. And I, I really commend you guys on that. I
2: appreciate it a lot. you know a good cup of coffee doesn't hurt too. At the side, <laughs> no, you're absolutely
1: right there. Um, so, <clears throat> we've we've talked a little bit about it, but specifically, what organizations are you guys uh, trying to work with and, and trying
2: to help raise money for? So, the the first organization we actually ended up uh, donating to was an organization called uh, Fish Northwest. Something you guys can look into if you're listening. You can Google them and you can be a part of that if that's something that you want to be a part of. But uh, Essentially, with uh, Fish Northwest, their immediate goal was to have uh, Washington State comply with, like, the Bolt decision, right? And essentially, that means uh, specific requirements for the harvesting or equal sharing of salmon species throughout the Pacific Northwest. And for that, it was specifically blackmouth or resident Chinook salmon in the Puget Sound, right? And what you'd be funding or helping out with them is they're essentially taking on a legal battle. With Washington State, to be like, hey, why are uh, you know tr- tribal uh, nations here harvesting and you know doing their part? They're they're pulling their weight 100%. But why why is the state not doing the same? What's going on there? Why why is the state not doing the same? And therefore, local businesses and guide services and uh, you know fishermen, why are we why are we getting the butt end of it? Why are we not being able to you know harvest? Right, and it's nothing to do with uh, tribal or non-tribal. It's simply to do with uh, equality, right there. It's like, why? What's going on there? So that's what Fish Northwest is essentially trying to do. They're trying to, I think, you know, speaking with one of them, they're they're really wanting to at some point they want to be able to rear their own blackmouth in the Pacific Northwest and in the Puget Sound and actually help with those runs to make it, you know, recreational fishermen and local businesses can take a part of it. So that's the first one that we actually uh, donated to. And the only reason I actually ended up finding out about them uh, was because of a, a close friend of mine, Tim Lennox. Uh, he, he's definitely one of the better fishermen I've ever met in my life. And, it, and I mean, I met him out fishing, right? How else would you meet a fishing buddy other than yeah, fishing? Yeah, exactly. And, uh, and I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm only 24, about to turn 25, uh, and I just don't know too much about conservation. So I, I just went to some of my older friends in the fishing community who've who've guided previously or have close guide friends and i was like help me i'm i'm, we're, I'm trying to do this i my, my my colleagues my best friends they're looking for a conservation group and i was like what what do i do what is a good a good start and so that's where we found fish northwest and the more that we, i look into these companies and these other uh conservation groups uh, the more we kind of are starting to find our way with who we want to support and who we think is doing the right thing.
1: Yeah, that's always a tough thing for, for anyone, you know, kind of just dipping their toe uh, into kind of the conservation world is figuring out or trying to really separate uh, the groups because there's a lot of groups out there that are doing tremendous work for whatever the cause of the species is. But then you know, sometimes you find some that, that maybe aren't quite doing or that aren't doing what align with, you know, what you would expect, right? Not that it's bad work by any means, but it just doesn't align with, with your beliefs uh, in, in terms of conservation. And that's, I think a lot of times people feel like this need to, when they decide they want to get involved with conservation, right? Like they've got to join all, like every organization, right? They got to be a member of, you know, 15, 20 different groups and they think that that is helping. And don't get me wrong, the the membership fee helps. But I think if you figure out what you're passionate about, you you learn what those organizations are truly doing, um, that's when you're gonna have like the most impact with your time and with your dollars and and being a member of those organizations.
2: Yeah, it was, I mean, for conservation, that's one thing. And then for me personally, since I'm in the military and I'm a part of this company as a co-founder, I started looking into to groups like the Fallen Outdoors or, or Veteran Outdoors where these groups actually provide trips free of cost for veterans and disabled veterans or military members active duty like myself uh, to go out and, and, and take part in fishing. And for me, uh, being on those trips and listening to some of the conversations that some of these these veterans who've, who've seen just horrific things yeah. and to be able to, to connect with these people I've never met before, on fishing, I never want that to go away. I never I never want fishing to go away just because you have opportunities like that where people can go out and heal and talk about things they've never been able to talk about before. So that's just a, a military aspect from it that is uh something I want our company to be a part of to be able to to fund these types of projects that once again relate back to fishing.
1: Yeah, no that's that's incredible because I've had I had a guest on uh maybe a month ago a month ago or so, um, Birch Barrel, um, that Mm -hmm. they, um, they're 2% certified as well, but they also give back to, um, some different, uh, veteran organizations that really help, uh, you know, veterans get out into the outdoors kind of, I mean, it's a whole experience. Uh, what was it called? Heroes and horses, heroes for horses, uh, Mm Donna Montana, something like that. And the, the amount of organizations that are out there that are, um, involved in, in different veteran affairs with, uh, in terms of using the outdoors as, uh, I don't know if, if saying a healing tool is the right way.
2: In session almost.
1: Yeah. It, it's, it's so cool because I mean, the outdoors is, it takes all of us back to like this primal, you oh, yeah. know, part of us that for so many of us is just buried down so deep. So many people never even tap into it, but it's also just it's so healing, right? Like being on the river, being in the woods, in the mountains, whatever it is. And just being one with nature. I mean, it's, if you've never Sincere. done it, it is, it, and you can't, like, I can't even put it into words, but I know exactly
2: how it makes you feel. Yep. It's, it's definitely something that I, I want to make sure, uh, that our company also is, is a part of with, with some of those groups just because of the,
0: the amazing things that they're doing for veterans and active duty members. It's It's awesome. Yeah. And one thing that we, uh, as a company kind of hope we're capable of doing in the future is maybe having starting our own conservation group and doing exactly what we want to do we have a lot of local rivers where we grow up where we grew up and where we currently live there's what four or five within a 45 minute drive of us that we grew up fishing we can pick and choose which river we want to go to depending when and what what fish are in and you know having our own conservation group that really focuses on just the rivers we grew up fishing i think that would be Something that would be fantastic in the future, but um, you know for the time being, just supporting uh companies that align with us
1: yeah, no that's that's incredible to even have kind of that foresight, right that you know what what could be in the future um is is certainly an awesome goal to have it and having you know not I mean you're already having a direct impact on conservation with raising money and donating money back, but to form your own organization and do exactly what you want to do. And to do it in an area where you guys grew up recreating and where you, you know, where you grew up fishing and where you probably still fish is, is, mm-hmm. is super cool. And I can imagine how fulfilling that would be.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. That'd be a, that's uh that'd be a great end goal to get to.
1: Yeah. No, it's certainly, it's certainly nice to have, to have a goal like that kind of off in the distance.
2: Yeah. I'm definitely pretty, pretty stoked with how far we've came in such a short period of time. I mean, uh, making coffee partnerships with, uh, with, with, A local actual podcast slash live show that this uh individual uh, Dwayne england does it's called uh, fish hunt northwest i'm actually wearing their hat right now (laughs) uh just what just what that that guy's doing is incredible i mean he's he's more on the forefront the forefront of uh informational like how to get better at hunting how to get better at fishing right that seems like i think you mentioned earlier in the in the show that's a little bit more of a uh Friendly, viewer friendly show that people tune into. They want to tune in. How do I get better at this? How do I do that? Right. And the fact that technologies, it's right in front of you, right? They can YouTube these people. Uh, They can look at, oh, how do I make my bait better? How do I fish this type of water? Right. It's similar to, you know, Addicted Fishing, which is one of the larger uh, Pacific Northwest brands that's doing pretty well out here. But uh, just being able to be a coffee sponsor for a local show like Fish Hunt Northwest. In such a short period of time, being able to provide quality products to people in the Pacific Northwest is—it's made me pretty happy. I, I sleep pretty good at night, thinking thinking that we're heading in the right direction.
1: Yeah, and I think one of the other things I think is so cool about what you guys are doing is you're you're focusing your efforts right there at home, right? You, you, where you're where you're spending your time, and that's another thing that I've learned uh, in my short time of doing the podcast and having the business is you know, if I'm doing 98% of my recreating here in Michigan, like that's where I want my money to go back to, mm-hmm. right? I, I want to support organizations that are, you know, doing things to support wildlife, uh, here in Michigan.
2: Yep. Local.
1: Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> so just a few more things here, guys, before we wrap up, um, obviously we've, we've covered a lot of fishing topics. Do you guys get a chance to go out and do any type of hunting at all as well?
0: Oh, I, I have never had the opportunity, but I would love to. I uh, started watching Meat Eater uh, in college. <laughs> so that was probably three or four years ago. And I just remember being like, wow, that's uh, that looks like what I want to do. What's but,
2: What's awesome about here in the Pacific Northwest is uh, there's so many things to take advantage of. Uh, but what for me specifically, it is fishing. I, I, I fish year-round every day of the week if I'm able to. Uh, so I have tons of close friends that hunt elk hunt deer hunt uh waterfowl stuff like that and uh it's not the worst trade in the world to be able to trade some smoked salmon or some fresh caught salmon you know for some some elk or for some black bear so i do fish with individuals that that try and divvy up their time between fishing and hunting Uh, and i have some friends that only hunt uh and that's that brings it back to you know passion what you're passionate about but it's pretty easy to tie uh salmon conservation towards hunting out here because of you know land there needs to be habitat in general for both so it's it's been a pretty pretty fun topic to to touch with my uh, my friends that hunt a lot but i i do not hunt i own guns right but i (laughs) sure you do yeah i do not i do not actually hunt it's something i'd like to get into uh but uh for now i think i'll stick with wetting lines
1: (laughs) yeah no there's nothing wrong with that and i'll tell you what having that currency of some fresh caught salmon or some smoked salmon to, to do a little bartering with in terms of maybe some venison <laughs> or some elk. Like, yeah. I mean, that's, I, I take that all day. I, I would make that trade. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I would even think twice about like, Oh, you've got some fresh salmon. Yeah. Like let, let's talk. Right.
2: So <laughs> a good vacuum sealer does for me a good vacuum sealer and a big reach in freezer. That's like gold. I might as well lock it up in a safe. <laughs> yeah,
1: absolutely. I, I uh, Yeah, I had a a very unfortunate incident uh, with my youngest, uh, with my son, who's, he's like two and a half, he's almost three, and I have Mm -hmm. a deep freezer in the garage, and we were out there the other day, and he, like, ran over to it, and, like, he did something, and I was, I should have been paying closer attention to what exactly he did, but as soon as he, like, ran over to it, I was like, hey, get over here, get away from that, but what he did is he turned my freezer basically off, and I had, and I didn't go out there for like a week because I just well, I didn't need I it. <laughs> yeah, you see where this story is going. Yeah,
2: we've all experienced that unfortunately. So I, I went out there. Yeah, I went out there
1: uh, just before Halloween and this is the first time I'm talking about this publicly because it's still every time You're I have sorry. every time I talk about it, I wanna cry. It's me. But I went out there and I went to grab some venison out because we we're gonna make some chili. I'm like it took it a minute for it to register. I'm like I grabbed some out. I'm like it's not very cold i'm like what's going on here and then like everything starts to like click yeah. like i don't see the ice build up on the walls and i'm like oh you got to be shitting me and yeah man like at least I mean, that just comes,
2: it comes down to just the amount of time lost and the, the amount of effort and then and then it also goes back to man you don't you don't want to waste we hate wasting yeah you don't want you don't want to be that person that wastes or mistreats nature right so yeah. I, I'm going to have to drink a beer for you on that one. I (laughs) I appreciate that, (laughs) Nick, because
1: it was, I, like, every time, like, my wife or something brings up, I'm like, I don't want to talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) She was like, oh, but, like, and she was, like, upset because there was, like, some other stuff in there. I was like, look, we can just go buy that stuff, right? Like, that's That's easy. I'm like, this is, like, that was, like, a year's worth of venison in there that we had left. I'm like, I had bear meat in there. I had some lake trout in there. Like, it wasn't just venison, but I was like, oh, gosh, that was. That was heartbreaking
2: but what can oh, you do yeah exactly what can you do what get back out there
1: yeah so one more thing here guys do you have any like big fishing trips or anything that you guys are looking forward to uh this year I mean obviously you guys are fishing all year round but anything uh, that you're really um, um, excited for
0: well I got a Michigan trip and I think that's planned for July I'm okay. not certain but uh, we always rent the cabins out like a year in advance because they get just get booked. So I got that to look forward to as far as big fishing trips go.
2: Uh, I mean, recently I just worked with, uh, individual Dave Martin with veteran outdoors over on the Columbia river. Uh, it's called King of the reach Derby, but essentially working with WDFW and and local hatchery program out there, we, uh, captured live King salmon over a three day period and turned them in so that they can actually in return, uh, broodstock program right okay. boost those numbers on the columbia river that was recently one of the bigger trips that i took part in uh, it was a cca or coastal conservation association uh trip but i mean for me uh, like i said i fish multiple times a week uh, i'll be i'll be deck handing with uh, an individual called nick taylor uh wh- he works with both fallen outdoors and veteran outdoors uh once again, it's one of those things. Get out, and out getting out in nature and helping heal some uh, some disabled veterans or active duty military younger guys. So, it's, as far as big trips go, I can't say I have anything in the in the short future that I, I re- refer to as a big trip, just because I fish so often.
1: Yeah, and you guys are in such a great area, especially for salmon fishing. Right? It's like. People come no. out to the Pacific Northwest to salmon fish, right? And you guys got it in your backyard. So yeah, I,
2: I can understand that. I mean, literally in our backyard, actually, since this is Lake Stevens, there's a creek that runs through Keaton's backyard where a small population of wild salmon actually come up and spawn. Yeah. So that's
0: literally in our backyard. <laughs> yeah. I've, had, I've had fish <laughs> die in my backyard. It's oh, wow. It came all the way from the, the ocean. So. so real quick, guys, where can uh, people find Fisherman's Brew at? Uh, So you can find us on Instagram, just at Fisherman's Brew and then at our website, uh, Fisherman's brew.com. Yeah, definitely. If you
2: want to work with us or you have organizations in mind throughout the Pacific Northwest tackle shops, anything that you think that would align with what we're doing, or you have recommendations, there's a contact us button at the bottom, or you can just message us on Instagram or Facebook.
1: Awesome. Well guys, Nick Keaton, it's been an absolute pleasure, man. Uh, I really enjoyed talking to you and, you know, learning more about the company and really kind of the impetus and, and the reason you guys started all of this is, is super awesome. And I I look forward to getting you guys on here again in the future once you uh, start that organization.
2: Definitely. definitely. We appreciate it. Great.
1: Yep. All right. Talking to you. all right. Take care, guys. All right. Well, there you have it. Uh, a big thank you to Keaton and Nick for joining me today. Um, definitely be sure uh, and check out Fisherman's Brew Coffee. Uh, I would also like to thank the partners of the podcast, Uh, wild rivers coffee stone glacier and go hunt uh, as well as two percent for conservation and if you're interested in learning more about two percent for conservation you can visit their website fishandwildlife.org, and there you can see all the certified brands that have committed to conservation that you should support when you shop i also encourage you guys to give two percent a follow on social media where it's going to be only uh, positive conservation driven content in your feed so you'll certainly enjoy that Uh, so again if you'd like to learn more about two percent for conservation you can look for them online on social media or at fishandwildlife.org. Thanks for joining me this week, everyone. Uh, We're going to take a break next week to let all you guys uh, enjoy Thanksgiving with your friends and your families uh, and everything like that. So stay tuned for the following week where we will be back uh, with your regularly scheduled programming. So with that said, stay safe, enjoy your Thanksgiving, and remember that conservation starts with you.